forgiven because you were forsaken I'm accepted you were condemned 
your spirit is within me because you died and rose again i'm forgiven because you were forsaken i'm accepted you were condemned i'm alive and well your spirit is within me because you died and rose again amazing love how can it be that you my king should die for me amazing love i know it's true it's my joy to honor you in all i do Because you were forsaken, I'm accepted, you were condemned, I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me, because you died and rose again, amazing love. die for me oh amazing love I know it's true it's my joy to honor you in all I do I honor you
Praise the Lord, praise Him. Sunday, and uh, it's my privilege to be able to bring it to you today. Uh, I hope I perform adequately. Oh, maybe this is better. All right, thank you. Um, today I want to focus on a few verses from chapter 6 of the Gospel of John, um, and it's teaching from Jesus, which in my judgment is crucial to our lives as Christians. The reading is from the book of John, chapter 6, verses 47 through 59. Um, truly, truly, this is Jesus speaking. Truly, truly, I tell you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. This, referring to himself, this is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And this bread which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. At this, the Jews, he, he was speaking from the synagogue, or in the synagogue. Uh, the Jews began to argue among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? 
So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your fathers who ate the manna and died, the one who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. There was confusion among the Jews in the synagogue who heard our Lord's words. They argued among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? It would have been folly for them to presume that a literal interpretation was proper. And knowing this, they were understandably confused. What they did not understand, though, and what we need desperately to understand, was that Jesus' words demand that Jesus must be to our souls what daily food is to our bodies, that we must live upon him, that we must be ever walking by faith in him, that we must look up to him habitually, in all our temptations, distresses, and perplexities, as our only deliverer, our comforter, and our guide, and that we must be in communion with him as members are with their head. This we are to do day by day and always, for without him we can do nothing. Our souls will sicken and fall away from sound health if kept even a day from that nourishment which turning to him in prayer and in constant meditation alone provides. Many forget the force and peculiar meaning of the command to make Christ our food. They substitute for it a mere injunction to obey Christ's law. In so doing, they in fact have grown cold in their feelings towards him, have lost all sense of a close relationship to him, have not held fast to him as their head, and have not sought him daily for their spiritual nourishment and strength. So Jesus commands us to have communion in remembrance of him, such that we get daily spiritual nourishment and strength through our close relationship with him, finding freedom from our temptations, comfort in our distresses, and peace where we may lack comprehension and understanding. Paul counsels us, however, in the book of 1 Corinthians, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Each one must examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Now, if we judged ourselves properly, we would not come under judgment. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined, so that we will not be condemned with the world. In remembrance, then, let's receive the elements, if everybody will come forward. Thank you. 
Lord Jesus bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. In the same way, after, excuse me, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup. Thank you, John. For our scripture reading, which is from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, <laughs> chapter 30, verses 11 through 14. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. You may be seated. Good morning. Good to see y'all here this morning. Welcome those online. We're glad that you joined us today. If you've been uh, with us the last couple of weeks, we've pulled out of our normal verse-by-verse study out of Judges, and uh, we've been in Ezekiel chapter 3 for the last two weeks, and today will be our final, our final message, Ezekiel part 3, or, or chapter 3, part 3. We're going to pick up in verses 22 uh, through 27 today, and our title this morning is for those who have mouths speak, and for those who have ears, let them hear. So, Father, we ask that you speak to us this morning. We ask that your word come alive to us. Lord, as you've given this message to me over the last month, um, this intense message of warning to the church, warning to the nation, Lord, we need to adhere to the words that you're telling us and we need to grab a hold we need to write them upon our heart and we need to walk in accordance and response lord to what we're hearing for your word is not just something that is spoken and then left alone your word feeds us it's our substance it's what we grow with it's what we uh we understand to be true and we ask for wisdom and discernment as we go into your word but lord we are in perilous times we're in difficult days and as we're in this life that we're living today and the world seems to be going chaotic and crazy around us, we can depend upon you. We can depend upon your word. We depend upon your spirit to give us truth, to walk through this dark world with your light shining bright. So we ask this morning, Lord, that you speak to our hearts. Teach us, show us, warn us, instruct us, guide us. And let us be closer to you than we were when we came. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, recapping part one and part two of our study in Ezekiel chapter three, we've seen a warning to the nation. We've seen a warning to the church. And the warning to the nation is that judgment is coming because our leaders and our government have taken God out of every aspect of our nation, from the schools to the courts and every other way. And they've created every problem that we now face, and, and they believe they can fix it, which is, again, part of the deception. We can fix nothing. We can create a lot of chaos, but we can't tend to fix it. Currently, our government is the definition of insanity. They're doing the same things over and over again, expecting different results. Unless we repent as a nation, we will continue to implode, and this nation is doomed for destruction because of our sin. And the warning to the church that we've seen is that we need to repent from falling asleep and allowing the culture to come into our front door and cause us to turn away from the full counsel of God's Word. We bent to the demonic movements, and many who call themselves Christians have, have been deceived and no longer believe in the inerrancy of God's Word. Ezekiel was called as a watchman to speak these very warnings to the captives. When Babylon came in and took Israel captive, he went to speak to them in his day. And he was told that if he did not give the warning, if he did not speak the warning that he was given, that their blood would be required at his hand. And he spoke both to the righteous and to the unrighteous, giving them opportunity to turn to God and repent from their sin. God told them they would not listen to him because they would not listen to God. And today we have the same call to give the same message. All true believers are today's watchmen. And we have been given the task to speak to the lost who don't know Jesus and to the church who's been compromised. As we get into part three this morning, the last part of this message in Ezekiel chapter three, we'll see that as a prophet or speaker of God's word, there will be persecution. That's coming. That's part of speaking truth in a world that believes lies. The people will not like the message because it will confront their lifestyle and it will confront their fleshly nature. No one wants to go against their own. This is the whole purpose of why Jesus came, so that we could die to ourselves and that he, he then lives through us. It's him that lives in us. It's no longer us, but it's him that's living in us. And we need to understand that when we are presenting gospel truth to the world, Unless their hearts have been touched by the Holy Spirit and they have ears to hear, they're going to push back. And we need to be prepared for that. We'll also see how God himself, with his hand heavy upon us, sometimes will shut our mouths and only allow us to speak his word that he's given. You know, many times um, we have a lot to say. And we are to speak what God gives us. But many times we don't just speak what God gives us. We throw a little bit of ourselves in there. <laughs> and we have a little bit of our own attitude, a little bit of our own things. And God wants to shut that up. He wants us to be quiet within ourselves, listen to his voice, and then speak what he gives us to speak. Because when we start just babbling, it does nothing but bring confusion. It stirs anger, it stirs arousal, and then we get defensive. God doesn't need defensive Christians. We don't need to be defensive. We just need to stand upon his word. It's truth. We don't need to defend it. It defends itself. 
And he will give us those words to speak. And finally, we'll see that once the word goes forth, it is up to the listeners to whether they will hear or whether they won't. It's not our job to save people. It's our job to live for Jesus. So let's pick up in verse 22 of Ezekiel chapter 3. Then the hand of the Lord was upon me there. And he said to me, Arise and go out into the plain, and there I shall talk with you. So I rose and went out into the plain. And behold, the glory of the Lord stood there like the glory which I saw by the river Chebar. And I fell on my face. Then the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet and spoke with me and said to me, Go shut yourself inside your house. And you, O son of man, surely they will put ropes on you and bind you with them so that you cannot go out among them. I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth so that you shall be, be mute and not be one to rebuke them, for they are a rebellious house. But then I speak with you, or when I speak with you, I will open your mouth and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, the Lord God. He who hears, let him hear. And he who refuses, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. Notice how he repeats that twice. They are a rebellious house. But notice here, before I really get into breaking this down, notice how the hand of the Lord's on him. He tells him to go to the plain. He gets up and goes to the plain. He tells him to wait. He waits. He tells him this is what's going to happen. Then the Spirit entered him and spoke to him and told him what was coming and some things that we're going to see. So we see the hand of the Lord was on Ezekiel. He led him to the plain where he'd speak with him. And we see the Spirit entered him and did speak with him. And this is one of the most important aspects of walking in obedience to the Lord. We as true believers have the Holy Spirit inside of us. This is a key. This is like the most important thing that we can realize when we're actually seeking the Lord, studying his word, asking for wisdom and guidance. He's given us the Holy Spirit within us to give us the very thing we're asking for we have that power within us john 14 17 says the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it's neither it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you and romans 8 verse 9 says but you're not in the flesh but in the spirit if indeed the spirit of god dwells in you now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. In 1 Corinthians 3, 16, Do you not know that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Galatians 4, 6, And because you're sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. We have Scripture given to us over and over that tells us that we are not our own, that we now belong to Jesus. We belong to him, and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And if the Spirit dwells in us, we have the ability to hear him when he speaks. It's not necessarily with the earthly ears. Now, I know some have said, I actually heard an audible voice, and God has spoken to people that way. But more times than not, there's going to be a confirmation in your spirit 
many times based on what you've been studying in His Word. You will read something, and it will jump off the page and light your whole world for that moment. It's like, oh, now you may have read that same message a year ago and got something at the same time, but it's, it's fresh, it's new because the Spirit is alive. He's a being, He's not a thing. It's not a thing when you talk about the Holy Spirit. It is God, the third part of the Trinity. He lives within us. He speaks to us. He teaches us. He corrects us. And He directs us. We have the written Word of God. And we have the Holy Spirit who confirms this Word in us. And this Word that we've been given is not all fluff and milk and honey. There's some good, wonderful sweet parts of the word that we just grab a hold and we just love but there's also parts of the word we walk we're scratching lord this is a little over my head and he says i know but it's not over mine i wrote it and i'm going to teach you and i'm going to bring you closer to me now in the times of which we live this is a hard word there's a hard word that we've been given just as ezekiel and isaiah and jeremiah and virtually all the prophets, they were given hard words. You notice in the Old Testament, when a prophet spoke, it wasn't milk and honey 99% of the time. There were those occasions when a prophet would speak and grant someone's prayer requests as they were praying and weeping. A prophet would speak. We know that these things have happened. So there are those times, but, but really, majority of the word of the prophet was a warning over and over and over and think about it isaiah jeremiah ezekiel all of these prophets they were told up front listen these guys aren't going to listen to you they're not going to hear but you still speak the word and when you stand before jesus when anyone stands before jesus they will not be able to say i never heard i didn't understand because the word is there it's being spoken and we have the ability to hear it we can either receive it or we can reject it. But we as believers need to be able to speak that word. Speak it boldly. As it was in Ezekiel's day. And in the other prophets. The hearts of many have grown cold. They've grown hard. And they too have become a rebellious house. Now Ezekiel was told that he would be bound. Not allowed to speak or rebuke them. Until God puts the word in his mouth to say and again this is something that we have to look at today it's so easy for us to speak a word out and we do it in anger when i hear the news that's why i don't listen to it very often anymore i get all flustered when i hear the the mouth of certain people speak i just go crazy and i just don't want any i don't need that so i just let that sit and let god then speak to me and when he loosens my tongue that's what i want to say and that's why we're here this morning He's given us this message here that we need to speak. And it is, thus says the Lord. So Ezekiel saw that he would face persecution. And again, this is a key point for us today. And here in the United States, up to this point, we've not seen persecution as it's been given around the world. Many churches around the world are facing real persecution, physical persecution, jail, abuse, beatings, torture, and murder for their faith you don't go and stand on the street corner in an islamic country and proclaim jesus you won't be seen again in china you'll be locked in a in a in an underground jail somewhere 
if you're caught doing these things. But here, the persecution that we've seen has been verbal to up to this point. I mean, don't get me wrong. There have been instances where people have been killed for their faith. But I'm talking about pre predominantly, it's just words. But the time is coming where the words are going to be turned into law. And when law is then enforced, there will be consequences for us standing upon the truth of God's word. And are we going to be strong enough to handle that? Many say, yes, I'll stand. But they've never faced any type of persecution that we're talking about around the world. The world, nor the compromised church, has had much opposition from true believers from the 1960s until now. We've been quiet. We've allowed it to happen. There's been pockets of true believers. And we've seen revivals. We've seen things happen. But talking about a national movement, we really hadn't seen anything since the 70s with the hippies movement. And even then, that only affected mainly that group of people. The religiosity of the day pushed against God's moving when the Holy Spirit moved among the broken people. And this is something that we see today is that many religious groups push back against the very spirit of God when he moves because it doesn't fit their agenda. It doesn't fit their pattern or their tradition. God doesn't work on tradition. God works by the power that's within him of being all-knowing, of being God himself. He moves among those who are willing for him to move among them. And this is the thing that we have to be prepared for. We've been quiet. We not want to go against the grain. And so the prince of the power of the air has taken over our media. The internet, the social media, television, radio, all been hijacked. It's all been hijacked. And we've allowed it to happen. Now, for the most part, the enemy has deceived our culture, making it all about self. If you think about it, everything is about me these days. Oh, I want to take a selfie. MySpace was the first one that really took off. It didn't last that long. Facebook, Twitter. It's all about getting your message out about yourself. That's what people do. They don't care about your post, by the way. Anybody who follows you, all they're looking for is a way they can comment on it so that they can either look good or make you look bad. They don't care about what you post. And I sure don't care what you had for lunch yesterday or how good it was or how good you are to cook or how good you can do that. And you, 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 me, 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 me. That's that's what's happened in our culture. And because it's all about me instead of all about Jesus, it's never about anybody else. And it's imploding around us. We're captivated by ourselves, our image, how we look, how we do these things, that thing. It's all about us. It's crept into our worship. It's crept into the contemporary worship. If you listen to a lot of the songs today, it's all about me. Not about giving God glory. Praise and worship is glorifying God, lifting up the name of Jesus, not saying what Jesus is doing for me all the time. That's a residual. I'm blessed to have God moving in my life, but I don't need to stand on every corner and telling how great I've got it because God's moving in my life. I need to be standing in the corner saying, praise Jesus for who you are. That's the lifestyle that we should be looking for. And if Satan can get you focused on yourself with his one hand, then we're not paying attention to what he's doing with the other. 
And he's bringing a lot of delusion around us. Again, the selfies, self-esteem, self-identity, self-indulgent, how we look, how we feel. All of this has been a way of distracting us from the reality of the firestorm that's brewing around us. It's right before our eyes. And while this has been going on, the true church of believers have targets now painted on our backs. We didn't even see it coming. But because of all of this stuff and the distraction that's going on, anybody who stands on God's Word, not talking about the watered-down, fluffy stuff, the sincere, hard truths of God's Word throughout full counsel of God, you've got a target. You are a target because you stand against the norm. You stand against what the rest of the people are doing. And persecution is coming. John 15, 20 said, Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Now, Norman sends out some emails occasionally about different churches in different places, like in China and things like that. And, and there was a couple of... Uh, of people from the United States, pastors went over to a meeting and they were asking these pastors, the, the, the conversation was, have you been persecuted? And the pastors from the United States really didn't have much, didn't really see it that way. And they began to share among themselves. And this is one thing that they really, they really believe. If you're not really being persecuted, you're not really being effective. If you're not standing for truth, then what are you standing for? And when they were persecuted there, they see God move in the midst of the persecution. They see God's Spirit saving souls in the midst of this persecution. People committed up to the, de to the point of death because of their persecution, but not wavering in their faith. They were glorifying God in the midst of horrible circumstances while we can say, oh, well, you know, we had the media speak bad about us the other day. So if we don't understand and haven't seen what's coming, but it is coming. In 2 Corinthians 4, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Very key passage there. When the church is persecuted, you are not forsaken. Number one, you still have the Holy Spirit in you. Number two, Jesus himself is embracing you and carrying you through these times of persecution. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also might be manifested or may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. The point is here is when you're going through all of these things, you're coming more alive in Jesus. He's being manifested. He's revealing himself. He's growing in you and bringing you through. And while the body may suffer, the spirit is alive. And we are walking with Jesus as we're walking in this flesh. And then Revelation chapter 2 verse 10 says, Do not fear any of these things which you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. But be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown 
of life. Be faithful unto death. These are true passages. These are words that are coming. These are things we need to be prepared for. And there's just a few of the scriptures about persecution. You can go through and read all about suffering. Paul constantly talked about suffering for the Lord's sake. But when he did, he said, these sufferings that I'm incurring now and all of these things that are going on now won't even compare to the glories that I'm going to have with Jesus when I'm with him. And this is just a tiny, tiny, almost immeasurable thing that we live in called time. God lives outside of time. He created time. We don't, we're bound by it. He's not. And because he's not bound by it, he's constantly moving us through. And when we see him face to face, we're talking of an eternity that is immeasurable in time. Because we'll not be bound by, bound by that little watch or clock or whatever else that we have that we see over and over again. This is coming to those who stand in alignment with Jesus and his word. Now, I truly believe that we're heading into these times of persecution, and we must stand bold. We must speak what God has given us to speak, and this is that word. Repent. Repent, for the day of the Lord is at hand. And for the lost, Jesus is your salvation. That's the word. It's Jesus. You can package it in so many different ways, and people have overcomplicated the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a relationship between you and Jesus. He died for you because you are a sinful being. You couldn't help it. You're born into it ever since the fall of man. You don't have a choice. You're born a sinner. You're born into sin. Jesus is your answer. He is the only answer. And if you don't receive him, you're going to die in that sin. That's the word. Repent. And then for the church who's lost its way, repent. Return to Jesus and the full counsel of his word. Remove the cultural movements from within your walls. And once again, believe the truth, not their truth. Because there is no my truth and your truth. There's the truth, and it's Jesus. The only truth we have. And it's all in the full counsel of his word. All the foretelling of his coming. All the prophecies. All the word of who God is. We understand when we have a relationship with Jesus, we can understand what his word means. It's no longer just reading words. It's no longer just reading passages and just going on to the next one. It's actually understanding that there's life in this word. There's breath in this word. And we need to breathe the word of God. As we see in the last part of verse 27... It says, he who has ears, or he who hears, let him hear. And he who refuses, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. See, it's not our place, again, to save anyone. It's not our job. You know, if you ever hear anybody, oh, uh, so-and-so got me saved. No, they didn't. They spoke the word that God gave them to speak. And you received because the Spirit of God Prick to your heart and soften your heart in a place, in a way where you could receive it. And all of us have experienced that different ways in different times and different seasons and in completely different environments. That the Holy Spirit is just as real 
to the person over here as he is to the person over there. They may never meet. They may never have anything in common. They may, not, may never have any reason to where they would even come together in, in a group. But the Holy Spirit is just as real to them as they are to them. Because he's the one that brings that truth to them. So it's not our place. It's not our job. Whether they hear or whether they refuse is between them and God. But they have to be told. We cannot not be silent when it comes to the word of God. Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. Now Romans 10, 13-15 quotes some of those same passages. It says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call upon him whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring good, uh, glad tidings of good things. Now you may say, well, it said preacher. That means you. You know, you're standing up there, you're the preacher, so you're the one, I'm going to go about my business. No, the word preacher, is it means anyone who has the word of God and proclaims it. It doesn't mean a man with a title. Titles mean nothing. Relationship means everything. And so each one of you are preachers. <laughs> and again, it doesn't mean that you go into ministry full-time, necessarily. What it means is that you're obedient to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to your heart. As he grows you, you share it. And he'll give you opportunity to do so. That goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Listening. We all have the ability to hear. But many don't want to listen. Their environment is too busy. We have too much going on. I don't like this. I don't like that. This is going on. That's going on. I don't want to hear because that means that now I have to die to myself Die to my emotions in all these circumstances and listen to what God is telling me to do. Nobody wants to do that in their flesh. That's why the flesh needs to die and the spirit needs to live. As we go through the message this morning, the last focus here, I want to specific. I want to sp uh, talk about the specific warning that God gives to the seven churches in Revelation. Because I think that this morning's message is redirecting right back to the church because we're the ones responsible. We're supposed to be uh, the bearers of good news. We're supposed to be the ones, the carriers of Jesus. It comes back to the church. And so as we, as we look at these, um, I'm not going to read all of each letter to the church, just the warnings. But as I've said, in my humble opinion, the letters to the churches are the most important part of that whole book. Many like to read about the tribulation. They want to see about who the Antichrist, when the Antichrist, all of these things. These are things that we wonder about and we read and we're supposed to read. We're supposed to ask for wisdom and discernment on the entire chapter and our book of, the, of Revelation. But if you notice, the book opens up. And when you get into chapter 2, it's specifically saying, now I'm speaking to the churches. The seven churches, God holds them in his hand. 
And this is the heavenly realm that John is writing this in, and he tells us is what to come in the last days. But these letters are a warning that we need to be found right in our relationship with Jesus before all of these tribulations come forth. We need to be prepared. We need to be in him before all of these things are ushered in. So I'm going to read the warnings. And many of us take uh, one particular letter and assign it for the church today. I've heard say, oh, we're, we're in the days of the church of Ephesus, or we're in the days of Laodicea. Listen, if you read these, we're in all of them. You'll find aspects in these warnings in the church today in each one of these letters. So let's look at the church of Ephesus. It was tagged the loveless church. Nevertheless, I have this against you. That you've left your first love. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly. And remove your lampstand from its place. Unless you repent. They've left their first love. And see this is so easy to happen. It happens Many times in regular relationships, you know, you put on your best, your best garments, your best act, if you will, your best self when you're dating. And then you get married. And within three, six months, the real self shows up. Whoa, I didn't see that coming. We dress up. We look good. But we're in love. We love the person we're married to. But many times we get distracted with other things and we lose that first love. But with Jesus... That is the love that we have to really grab a hold of. And it's easy to get saved and get excited and be, oh, I'm this and that. I'm going to church and I'm doing all these things. And next thing you know, you're busy about the business of Jesus, but you're not really in relationship any longer with him. You're not spending time with him. You're not praying. You're not seeking his face daily. And because of that, the world is kind of coming around you and you've kind of moved away from the Lord. You've left your first love. That's happening in the church today. Today, in many places, the church is all about business. It's about the money. Well, we can't speak all the truth of God because it would run people off. And Look at this big building we've got. We've got to pay the bills. And we want more people to come. So let's just give them the good stuff. The sweet-smelling stuff. We won't, we won't talk about sin. We won't talk about repentance. Because all that stuff can drive people away. <laughs> Let them go. Speak the truth. Not our place to chase people. It's our place to share the word. And in the church of Smyrna, and this is the persecuted church. Now this one and one the church of Philadelphia, the only two in here that there's really not warning, but there is information that, the, that they're speaking is going to happen and you need to be prepared for. Uh, in chapter 2, verse 10, it says, Do not fear any of those things which you're about to suffer. Suffering's coming to the church. Indeed, the devil is about to throw you, I read this earlier, throw you into some prison that you may be tested and you'll have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. The church, the true church, is going to face persecution. It's coming. We need to be prepared for it. We don't need to be walking in fear. I'm not afraid of what the government's going to do to me. I ain't happy about them, but I'm not afraid of them. I stand on Jesus. Not upon our Congress. Hallelujah. Our Congress is cracked and it's crumbling. 
and our leadership is crumbling. But Jesus is the rock. We stand upon him. The church of Pergamos. The compromised church. But I have a few things against you. Because you have there who hold the doctrine of Balaam. Who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. To eat things sacrificed to idols. And to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Which I hate. Repent. Or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Now, this is a church he's speaking to here. Repent. We've compromised. We've allowed Satan to come in the front door. He's bringing in sexual immorality. He's bringing in all these lies and these cultural movements. We've allowed it to happen. We've compromised. Instead of standing firm on the word of God, we've given over. And he says, this is not this is not good. Repent. Or I will come quickly. And will fight against them with the word or the sword of my mouth. Now the church of Thyatira. The corrupt church. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality. And eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality. And she did not repent. Indeed I will cast her into a sickbed. And those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation. Unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Again, he's speaking to the church. The corruption has moved in. It's about power. It's about growth. It's about, again, sexual immorality. It's about welcoming in all of these things. And it goes anything from adultery all the way across the board to this transgender movement and everything else to where some churches have allowed them in the front door and allowing homosexual pastors to teach the church goes against God's word. It's a corrupt church. God says, repent or else. And I love this part. He says, I am he who searches the heart, the minds and the hearts. See, God knows every thought that we have. God knows every action that we do. And whatever we do in secret, he sees. And so what he wants us to know is, listen, I'm watching you. I know what you're thinking. I know where you're going. I know what you're doing. I want you back. Return to me. Walk away from here. Come back to me. Repent. And I will restore you. That's the wonderful promise. While all these warnings are here, he's given us the opportunity to turn away and to come back to him. And he tells us, he said, listen, I've given, I've given, I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she would not repent. It's time that we see the reality of our relationship with Jesus and get back to the foundations of the Word of God and His truth and turn away from the things of this world. Or else, He's going to deal with us harshly. In the church of Sardis, the dead church. <laughs> now, I don't think, I, know, I told some of you this. Uh, we had a prayer meeting here in town um, 
it was National Day of Prayer, and they asked a lot of the pastors to come early, and we're meeting at the at the Sam Jones Methodist Church. They pulled out of the United Methodist Church, but anyway, they said we're going to meet in, in their big sanctuary. So at eleven o'clock, we're going to pray for an hour. So that was all the word that went out. So we were heading there, and I got there with two or three other guys. We get there where we walk in the sanctuary, and there's a coffin, an open coffin in there, and nobody bothered to text us that we moved the meeting downstairs so we're walking through they hadn't started the the, the funeral yet but we're walking through and all these people are gathered around you know you're kind of walking through like uh, i don't think we're in the right place where we're supposed to be but this is how my mind works and it's not good okay the first thing i thought of when we walked in there's an open coffin well i knew there's a dead church but i didn't realize that we were we were called to it today it just that's just how how my mind works but anyway but the dead church, it says, These things he, ha- he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have named, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch... I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. The dead church. Now, when it says, I've not found your works perfect, it's not talking about works-based religion. It's talking about doing the things that God has told them to do. They haven't done them. They haven't been obedient. And so, therefore, the church has died. And it says here, the things that remain are ready to die. Listen, you cannot do the things of God. You cannot do the works of God. You cannot go out and say, I want, of course, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless God today by doing this and this and this and this and this. God doesn't want you doing this, 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 and this. He wants you first to spend time with Him. Secondly, He wants you to listen to Him. Thirdly, when He tells you what to do, He wants you to be obedient. Those are the perfect works. Anything else is all about what I can do for God. Listen, God doesn't need you to do anything for him. He just wants you to be with him. And he directs and leads and guides. He says, therefore, if you've received and heard, hold fast and repent. Or he's coming upon you as a thief. And then we have the church of Philadelphia. Now, that's the faithful church. This one, and again, the one we read earlier, uh, are the two out of these that there's no real warning, but they're still caution we need to hear what it says to us and it says because you've kept my command to persevere i also will keep you from the hour of trial which will come upon the whole world to test those who dwell the earth that's the tribulation period it is real and it is coming but for the true church the ones who are believers the ones who really know jesus and you persevere i'm going to keep you from that you're not going to go through it behold i'm coming quickly Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write him on him my new name. And this is a promise to the true church. We need to hear this. This is not the warning. It's just telling us, Bad times are coming. Hold fast to me. 
Remain faithful to my word. Remain faithful to me. And if you will do this and overcome all this, this stuff, you know, I'm going to set you aside. I'm going to protect you. And then we have the church of the Laodiceans. The lukewarm church. Y'all ever drank lukewarm water? Yeah. I've left bottled water in the car. And I get in the car and take it. Ugh, it's just lukewarm. Ugh. Like, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich and become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked talk about seeing yourself as something you're not oh we're rich we're blessed look at all we have and he says man you're you're nothing you're wretched miserable poor blind and naked and he says i counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with the eye salve that you may see as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. This is the church that's built its foundation on worldly, uh, the worldly foundation. Basically, money and power and growth and uh, excitement, the lights, the show, the whole thing. You know, there are many out there. And they bring in flocks and droves. But there's no meat. There's no substance. But look how big we are. Look, we're alive. We're rich. We've got all the community coming to our church. Wonderful. Hallelujah. Great. Are you speaking the word? Are you giving them what they need? Because if you're not, you can say, oh, you're, you're this or that and the other, but you're nothing. You really don't have any foundation. And it says here, to buy me, uh, but for me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. Listen. Refined gold, has it goes through the fire. This is what God is telling us. Our hearts and our beings go through the fire of God so that He can refine us. And as He's refining us, we're receiving the truth of who He is, the fullness of who He is. And we're able to see it, we're able to hear, and we're able to come alive. And that's what it's talking about here. But you can stand on the street corner and say how big a church you are and how wonderful things are and how rich and wealthy you are, but you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked because you've not sought the counsel of God in His Word and stood fast upon it. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. God is constantly knocking on the doors of the heart of His people. And He's saying, I'm here. You moved. Where'd you go? It's not about that. It's about me. That's what Jesus wants us to know. So in all but two of these letters, there's the warning to repent. In Sardis and Philadelphia, there's the encouragement to endure through persecution because persecution is coming. And I don't know about you, but in all of these letters, I can see an aspect of every bit of that in the church today, particularly here in the United States. All of these things are happening as we speak. And it's no longer 
just a certain little small group over here. It's spread out across the entire realm of different denominations and different things happening. And sin is no longer really looked at as sin. Repentance is not really looked at as something we need. It's all about, listen, we're all love. God is love. So let's just love each other. No, God is God. One of his attributes is love, but you don't assign him that name love. He loves all enough to die and send his son to die for us all. But you're not his child without Jesus. You're not a child of God. And this is a lie that's spread in many, many places today. Oh, we're all children of God. No, you're not. You're all part of his creation. But you're only a child of God when you receive Jesus. Then you're adopted into the kingdom and he can say, Abba, Father. But without Jesus, you're not a child of God. And God's love is not always just warm and, and huggy. God's love is discipline. It's rebuke. It's challenging. Because he wants us to get back to understanding the fullness of who he is. And not just assign one attribute. You've got some that's all love, mercy, grace all the time. There's no judgment ever. We're all going to heaven. And you got another group over here. God is, it's all about judgment. He hates you all. He's judging you all. You're all going to hell. And that's the extremes that people grab when they identify one attribute of God. God is not going to be bound by any one attribute. He's not going to be bound in a box that we create because of what we think we understand. He is because He is. And we need to accept Him based on that. Period. Whether we understand or not, we trust Him because He's God. Few are faithful, but many have allowed themselves to be loveless, compromised, or corrupt. And many are lukewarm, and some are actually dead. And this is, this is the shame of the church today. We need to be the faithful church in the midst of persecution to stand and speak God's word of truth. The warning's been given. The watchman on the wall has spoken. The Word of God says, repent, return, walk in relationship with me. And as Ezekiel ends this letter, or this part of this letter in verse 27, he says, he who has ears, let him hear. If you have ears to hear what God's Word says, then listen. And in every letter to these seven churches, they all end with these words. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The Spirit is speaking. He's speaking loudly. And he's telling us, do you have an ear to hear? This is the word I'm giving you. Stand firm. Be solid in your relationship with Jesus. Don't worry about all the other stuff. When it faces you, you stand in his truth, not their truth. Their truth is a lie. His truth is is truth and i believe that some will hear and some will not that's given we know that there are many that that die and take their last breath that never receive jesus and our heart breaks for them breaks for the families of those but at the same time there are some that will hear but we don't want to stand before jesus ourselves and hear why were you silent 
Why were you not vocal? Why did you not speak what I gave you to speak? That's what we're called to do. And I've mentioned this once before in this message, but in the words of Mordecai and Esther, chapter 4, 14, he says, For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We're in a dark world. And we are chosen to live as believers for such a time as this. This is the time that God appointed us to live. We could have been born at another time, another era. But we were born for this time and this season. And so we know that God knows all, understands all, puts everything together according to his plan. It's not by accident that we've received Jesus and we're studying his word today and we're walking in relationship with him today. And it's not by accident that we're to stand firm when persecution comes. We are called to do so. And I believe for those that are his, we'll do so. But we need to move away from all the garbage that's been fed to us and get back to the real truth of God's word and stand on that. We're here for such a time as this. May we, the true church, rise up with boldness and proclaim the word of the Lord to the lost and to the church that's lost its way. It's not an easy word. And then you get to those who say, well, you can't judge God's people. You don't know what's in their hearts. Listen, the fruit speaks for itself. I'm not saying you go run around and beat them up over the head with the Bible or anything else. What I'm saying is, this is what the Word of God says. This is our standard. If you're following something different, you're in error and you need to be told. And to the lost, listen, I know you don't know Jesus You've never heard of him. Maybe you've never, maybe you have. Maybe you've heard about Jesus, but you don't know him. And he's your salvation. Jesus is your answer. And we speak that truth. Again, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. But don't sit quiet. Stand firm. Let the word of the Lord resonate within ourselves so that as it grows within us, it swells and comes out of us. And the wonderful thing about that is, is that when God pours in, he has an endless supply. He has an endless supply. If we do it within ourselves, we'll dry up pretty quick. Oh, I'm burnt out. I'm tired. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm tired of speaking God's word. People ain't listening anyway. And the, again, look back at the prophets. They were told, it's not going to be an easy road for you. They're going to try to kill you. They're going to reject you. They're going to hate what you're saying. They're not going to listen, but go forth. <laughs> go on now. Go on. Go forth. <laughs> listen, we, we have a wonderful time to live in. It's, it's horrible in the world, but we live in a wonderful time because Jesus is still sitting on the throne, and he's guiding our steps when we allow him to. Let's submit to him. Let's walk in him. Let's be obedient to his word. Receive these warnings that were given so that we may take them to heart and say, that is not where I want to be. I want to be found in relationship with Jesus when he returns. And when I take my last breath, I want to be saying, praise God. 
Number one, I'm leaving this place. But praise God, because I know where I'm going. Amen? Father, we ask you this morning that this, these three uh, messages that you've given us, Lord, in, in, in Ezekiel chapter 3, will resonate in our hearts and our minds. I pray this word would go forth. These warnings are real. They're real, and they're from you, because we have fallen asleep at the wheel. And we allow the world to come in and compromise and corrupt and even kill parts of the church. Because Satan is out there to try to steal, kill, and destroy. But God, you're still on the throne. And Jesus, you're still sitting at the right hand. And you're interceding for us. As we are here today, you're interceding for us. And you're protecting us. And you're guarding our hearts and minds. And that's where we find our peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding. Our hearts and minds are guarded in Christ Jesus. So we receive that peace. We receive your joy. We receive your word in full. We receive this warning. And this message to go forth and to speak what you tell us to speak. May we listen and only speak and only speak what you give us, Lord. May we not let the flesh creep in and get it all muddied up and confused. But let us speak only what you say to speak. It may be short and sweet, maybe a little longer at times, but whatever it is, may, may we listen and speak what you tell us. And we love you, Lord. We thank you. We praise you for your word. We praise you for your strength. We praise you for who you are. May you guide every step of our life from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. To your heart, to your heart, lead me to your heart, to your
closer to you, Jesus, draw me close, closer to you, my God, I'm letting go of the things I know that keep me back from you, draw me close, closer to you, Jesus, draw me close, closer to you, Jesus, draw me close, closer to you, my God, I'm letting go of the things I know that keep me back from you, I'm letting go of the things I know that keep me back from you draw me close closer to you Jesus praise you Lord hallelujah sing the last song, Lord. We pray that love for you will outwin all other things. Hallelujah. All persecution, all temptation, love for you will, will win out. Help us to see you clearly. Hallelujah. 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 Ooh, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come. your heart in the streams of life. Let the pain and the sorrow be washed away in the waves of his mercy. As deep cries out to Jesus, come. 
See you there on In the Air. 